Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Final week of Champions League round of 16 matchups is here. Eight teams remain as we'll find out who will join Man City, Liverpool, Real Madrid and Bayern Munich in the quarterfinal stage. He's already taken Tom Brady out of retirement, but can Ronaldo and Man United place Luis Suarez into it? Or will Atletico Madrid show us some Cholo resiliency at Old Trafford? Are Ajax showing a vulnerable side? And will Benfica take advantage? Can Juventus? keep repping the Italian flag in the competition, or will Unai Emery and Villarreal gatecrash the party? And as for Chelsea, well, the Blues are creating a lot of headlines these days, but is bowing out of UCL against Lille one of them? We'll have to see. Jimmy Conrad, Jonathan Johnson, James Benger in the house. Gigo Lasso Champions League preview begins right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Gigo Lasso. First of all, we have passed 10 thousand subscribers on our YouTube channel. Thank you so much, everybody. On behalf of the entire team, as we mentioned in the weekend, we thank you. And we're just going to keep on growing. Jimmy Conrad, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great because the Champions League is back, everybody. I don't know if you picked up on that or not. And (laughs) we have four teams that have already qualified. And they're four massive teams. We got Bayern Munich, Liverpool, Manchester City, and Real Madrid. So I'm excited to see what this week brings to us. Absolutely. James Benj, what's up, buddy? Uh, I'm good. Um, JJ and I can both attest. I think we're now living in fear over how the coming days will be disrupted by the NFL and stupid quarterbacks doing stupid things. I think last week... It's only one, James Benj. Tom, blame it on Brady. No, last week we were disrupted by stupid trades. I mean, I think one of them was like a not very good quarterback as well for this B-Tech version of rugby that your entire country is obsessed with. I, I resent it. I resent that I'm hearing about it in my intro from you, Luis. I would like... No more American football talk in this yeah. podcast. That's me putting I, my foot down. I will give you that. We were all part of the HQ coverage, and uh, yeah, it was all interrupted by Russell Wilson, Carson Wentz, and now we'll see what happens with Tom Brady. But hey, Tom Brady went to Old Trafford and said, you know what? I think I want me some of that one more time. Interesting. But welcome, everybody. Jonathan Johnson, how are you, my man? Good, thank you. Can't complain. Uh, echo uh, James's sentiments about the uh, hand egg humiliation, and I might or might not have been snooping around Parc des Princes in a cagoule, uh, venting my frustration over the weekend. Yeah, I kind of want you to just quickly chime in on that uh, in this show because it was kind of insane uh, scenes, and we'll get to it. I promise. Maybe after the break. But welcome everybody. Uh, welcome to our Champions League preview, the final one of the round of sixteen. As Jimmy said, four huge teams are in the quarterfinals already, and of course, we'll see who will join them. By the way, make sure to join the live Tuesday recap for a chance to win a Paramount Plus subscription. Absolutely, to celebrate the 10,000 subscribers. But let's get going, everybody. We begin, of course, with Manchester United against Atleti. What a game. It's interesting because both teams, obviously, you know, on the up from the weekend. Jimmy, 
What do you have here? You like Atleti? It's your team in La Liga. What do you see <laughs> well, against well, uh, Manchester United? Let's let's uh, give everybody some context on this one. Uh, the last time these two teams played in leg one, they both scored on their first shot on goal. And there were only three shots on goal the whole game. Now, that said, Atletico went in not trying to have too much possession. It seemed like they were in control of most of it. Manchester United didn't even know what to do with a lot of their possession. But it ended 1-1. And that gives uh, United in particular some hope because I think Atleti were the better team in leg one, but didn't have the result to show for it. Now, since that game, United have, they drew, they drew to Watford, they lost to Man City, and then they just beat Tottenham uh, in, in fine fashion with CR7 scoring three goals. Atleti have won all three of their games since leg one. Uh, seven goals, four, two against. Pretty good on both sides of the ball. I'm excited to see how they perform away from home at Old Trafford. Still maybe not as intimidating as it once was, but, uh, you know, it still has a lot of history and, and epic comebacks. Now, Ralph Rangnick came out and said that after the Man City game, he he said this, that that United might be the worst team he's ever coached, which is amazing <laughs> that he would come out and say that. Now, he quickly followed that up with, but after we beat Tottenham, I feel like we can go on and win the Champions League final. Oh, that's good. <laughs> so so I mean, he's balanced it out. So I don't even know what to make of this team, but obviously if CR7, who's the greatest to ever do it in this competition, Benjamin, then then I feel like, you know, they always have a chance. I mean, he's pretty, basically put him on their back up, up until this point in this competition. I mean, I hate to correct you, Jimmy, but I think kind of maybe what he was talking about there is, is how Manchester United supporters think and how the environment around Manchester United is shaped. And I mean, he but he did say like, you know, I had this feeling that this is the worst team I ever coached. And then he was <laughs> like, and now right. you're asking me if we can win the Champions League. <laughs> right, right, right. And I think the, the truth is, obviously, I think he knows that's a bit ridiculous. And I think we're used to hyperbole around Manchester United when the truth is they are quite a good team that I think in European terms, certainly of the teams that were in the Champions League at the group stages, they probably sit somewhere between the sort of seventh and 14th best and you know a, a round of a quarterfinal is a great achievement for them um not least I think because you know as Jimmy mentioned that Atleti the results have been good but it's still not the Atletico Madrid we thought we knew and I kind of say I, I watched a lot of the the Cadiz game and looked at Cadiz's shots and, and stuff like that as well and that was not even the Atleti team we saw in the first leg that was really intimidating, controlled the space and pushed mm. United back. You know, this was a, a team that looked skittish in their own penalty area. You see Alvaro Negredo getting, uh, you know, yards of space between, um, was it Jimenez and Lodi? Uh, just really shocking defending of set pieces and crosses from the box. And we've seen quite a bit of that from Atleti this season in Europe and in, in La Liga. So I think we're kind of looking at two teams here that are, pretty fundamentally flawed um, don't really have much chance of, of winning this competition, but we're also incredibly exciting, invariably produced drama. I mean, that's why we're looking forward to this. It's not like, you know, when we see maybe Chelsea, who are probably a better team, I think realistically have a better chance of winning this competition. You might say the same about a Man City or a Liverpool, but because of that, they could be quite boring. You know, I don't think this game will be boring. I think that's pretty much the point I would I would end on there. It, there's going to be drama. There's going to be something dumb. Um, and there'll be a lot of fun in between. <laughs> yeah, I echo Benji's hopes uh, that there's going to be a fair bit of controversy. I think this is the kind of matchup that, that Simeone will relish or certainly he, that he used to relish. Uh, you know, be able to sort of generate the kind of 
us against their mentality, uh, you know, that often sees them put in their best performance, you know, sort of with their backs against the wall. And it just feels like so much of what United do at the moment depends uh, on whether Cristiano Ronaldo feels like taking the game by the scruff of the neck, which is less and less uh, you know uh, the, what we what we're used to seeing from him these days. Although obviously he did, uh, you know, turn the the clock back a, a significant amount of time against Spurs recently. So I, th- I think for me, I'm a, I'm expecting there to be goals. I actually predicted this one to be the only game uh, to go to extra time, uh, and I actually predicted an Atleti win, funnily enough, uh, because I think that the longer the game goes on especially if Atleti can get themselves the first goal. It forces United to come out at them a little bit. I can't see United putting multiple goals past Atleti, despite the holes in their defence that that uh, James has, uh, has picked out. So for me, um, I, I think that this one slightly favours Atleti with Simeone's experience because Ranić, you know, he's still getting to grips with this United team. Uh, you know, and he's also somebody who's not really had that much experience at the highest level in the Champions League, which is another thing that I think counts against them. Uh, you know, if we're having this ridiculous conversation of United being potential Champions League winning material. Yeah, what I'll jump in and say, and I love your your thoughts on that, JJ, especially the Diego Simeone with the backs against the wall, because I feel like this season, more than any other during his time in charge of Atleti, he's had more, I don't want to say luxury players, but he's had more talented attacking players in this squad than he's ever had. And I don't think he knows how to manage those guys. I think he just likes good hard workers that bust their ass and and make it difficult for the opponent. And then if we kind of score, we win 1-0, great. That's a Simeone special. Well, we haven't seen that very often with this particular iteration of the team. But because there's so many injuries, you have Versalco's out, Lamar's out, Hermoso's out, Condogbia's out, Carrasco's out. I mean, they're missing some key, key guys. Cunha's out. Uh, it, it's it's Correa might not be back in the team. And then even just to talk injuries with the United, Bruno Fernandez is still had an illness. He might be, may or may Train not be today. back in the team. What's that? Train today. So interesting to see what he does. I mean, that was a good performance without him against Tottenham. What will Rangnick do? In that one, I want to also add that Atleti haven't kept a clean sheet in any game so far in this competition. And when we go to the odds really quick, Caesar's Sportsbook is dangling something I just want to bite on. They're just throwing the bait out there. But Cristiano Ronaldo to score first is plus 500. Five to one for that guy who's the greatest to ever do it in this competition. I, I think I might do it. I'm getting pulled into the. I mean, like that's a, a pretty good. Yeah, that's I'm, I'm like a mock the light. Yeah. I'm a mock the light on that one. But uh, <laughs> but but I agree with JJ as well that I think the draw after 90 minutes plus 220 is where I'd probably lean as well uh, for a lot of the things that both him and Bench mentioned. Yeah, I'm leaning towards an extra time situation. I'm still trying to figure out who wins in that extra time situation. But the statistics, at least historically, don't really help. Manchester United have been eliminated from the last uh, three Champions League knockout stage matches when drawing the first leg. It was against Real Madrid, Bayern Munich and Sevilla. However, Atleti have lost their last two away trips to face English sides in the Champions League, losing to Chelsea, of course, and Liverpool as well. So, you know, something has to give. So let's go around the table for some predictions here. We're all, almost all of us, I don't know what Benjamin is thinking, but extra time. Uh, James, what, what, what do you have? Penalties. Penalties. Oh, Come on. Baby. And Davy <laughs> does it. <laughs> I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and I'm going to choose violence. And I expect <laughs> Athletic All right. Madrid. Are you going penalties and Atleti wins it? Yeah, because it's Man United, isn't it? So, <laughs> De Gea can't are, make do you guys get? Do you guys, I mean, I know you don't have the other weird thing with chocolate in your country. Do you get flakes? Um, James you know Bench, who are you talking to? Jim, Remember JJ where I grew up and was born? Jimmy Conrad, have you ever had a flake? 
I have had frosted flakes. <laughs> no, this see, so what's happened is they 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 make a chocolate bar, Cadbury in the UK, that completely falls apart when you your teeth put it under the slightest bit of pressure. It's quite pleasant. Um despite the PSG that. of chocolate bars. Well, exactly or indeed the Manchester United of chocolate bars. Um you know. So, so Manchester is United is, is is the flake of, of football basically. It'll cr- it'll just completely crumble down upon any any pressure. So you're thinking it's an Atleti win in penalties. Um, yeah. I I like it. JJ I'm going to stick with my 2-1 Atleti prediction after extra time. So 1-1 one, yeah. one, and uh, yeah, we will see uh, Atleti running out winners and uh, Cholo grabbing his balls at the Stretford end. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he didn't say exactly which balls, all right? So before you send us any nasty messages, Jimmy Conrad, we got two Atleti wins here. What do you have? Yeah, I'm probably leaning that direction as well. I think it will be a draw after 90 minutes. It'll be, you know, one. I could see a 1-1, very similar to the first leg. Not a lot of shots, but a couple of goals. A couple of goals. Uh, Joao Felix looking like he might start with Correa. means Griezmann and Suarez could be coming off the bench in this one. Joao Felix has got five goals in his last five games. He's in good form. Uh, he may, Maybe he comes off as a super sub as well. Check your lineups. But I like it. Let's see to do it. They, they did it at Anfield a couple seasons ago. They they somehow pull out some results out of their butt, uh, even when you don't think they should. And uh, yeah, Diego Simeone special incoming. Wow. Well, I got to be the only one going with Manchester United, I guess. I'll do that. Uh, Jonathan Wilson wrote a great piece for The Guardian, how Ronaldo's both the problem and the solution for United. I wonder which one he will be in this situation. I got I mean, I just got to go. I, extra time. Anything's a given. I'll just give the old Trafford energy. Manchester United to win. All right. Let's... Uh, Move on here and let's talk about Ajax, who for a very long time in this competition, definitely at the beginning, definitely before Christmas, definitely even after January. And then suddenly things didn't look that perfect for this Dutch side as they face Benfica. James, I actually want to start with you. I was going to go with JJ, but Ben, because you've been pretty hot on Ajax uh, for a while. But how are you feeling now? Because that Benfica result in that first leg. And also, even this past weekend, yes. even though they won, they did concede a few goals there. What do you make of their chances as they try and wrap things up uh, against Benfica? Well, that's what I was going to say, is if you kind of look back at their, their last two games, which are against, I believe, Cambor and RKC Valvike, if I pronounce that correctly. I think I have. Both 3-2. <laughs> We're not here to lap- correct you, so go for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who here can tell me I'm wrong? Um, both 3-2. Both last-minute winners, uh, Ryan Gravenberg and Dusan Tadic. It's not like it's not what we kind of think of from IX. But then you kind of think if we've spent the whole season saying, "Don't read too much into the Eredivisie form. It's a it's a totally different competition." Then maybe we need to do that for the uh, for for the games that aren't that impressive, even if they are results. I mean, you know, we see the stats up there. It was kind of a strange one. I thought IX were a fair bit better, but ultimately, you know, they didn't really take their chances in the first leg, put them on home turf. I I would feel pretty optimistic about their chances. I still think they've just got, they have all the ingredients of a, of a successful Champions League team. Dusan Tadic just comes alive in this competition. We've seen Sebastian Allaire on wonderful form and Gravenberg is, every time I see him, he looks better and better and better. I think yeah, it's just quality. got yeah. the star quality that maybe Benfica don't, aside from Nunez. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, I think as well, something to bear in mind from the first leg was that Ada managed to score at both ends. You know, that's how, that's how hot this streak is that he's on at the moment. So you take away that. And I think 
Ajax just about shade that game and obviously win 2-1. Um, and funnily enough, that's the the score that I predicted here. I mean, I take your I take your point about the recent performances. Uh, I don't know if Steve McLaren would want to correct your pronunciation uh, of the club <laughs> names, but uh, I'm, I'm going to leave it for it. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to leave it there for for today. But um, no, for for this one, I think that Ajax will have enough to to go through. I do think that that leaky defence is perhaps going to be a source of concern moving forward. I don't think it's going to be enough to stop them going into the quarterfinals. Also, I think looking at the potential matchup between Elia, uh, Jan Vertonghen, who obviously was uh, was formed at Ajax, and Otamendi, who's been nursing an ankle problem and is sort of 50-50 as to whether he plays or not, I think that could be sort of crucial in deciding uh, which way this one goes. Because like... Like Benj said, I can see Tadic, you know, really bringing his A game again. He seems to reserve his vintage performances for the Champions League. Uh, and I think that there's at least one more round uh, in Ajax as they they go forward. We also chatted with uh, Brian Brobby ahead of the, the game. So if anyone wants to check that interview out on the website, they uh, they can do. But I'm feeling good about Ajax uh, progressing past Benfica. And obviously, it'll be interesting to see who they get in the draw. Because given their form earlier in the group stage, I don't think anyone in the quarterfinals is actually going to really want to come up against them because they'll be that plucky underdog that could just upset the form book. Yeah, and also I'll add that Ajax have won all three of their home games so far in the Champions League. They, they play pretty well at home despite some of the results recently. They've had five clean sheets in their last six at home outside of this 3-2, uh, most recent 3-2 result. Now, they've also had four different players in double figures for chances created from open play in the Champions League. Uh, Tadic, Aled, uh, Berghaus, and Anthony. Coming into the round of 16, second leg, only Manchester City have has had as many different players create uh, double digits and chances created. So that's something to keep in mind where if you're if you're Benfica, all right, if we shut down this one area, ah, uh, shit, well, they can hurt us over here. You know, I mean, they're just so dynamic in attack and, and so well-balanced on both, on both sides of the field and centrally. I think that Ajax obviously have the talent to do so. My problem is they gave up two leads to Benfica in leg one. And this two three most recent three two games, they were up two zero in both and gave up the leads until scoring late. So there's something going on with them, and, and maybe they were going to hit this dip in form defensively, no matter what. But when you have a player like Darwin Nunez up top for Benfica, who can get himself in good spots, and if they can score early, then Benfica maybe could have a chance in this because we saw Go Ahead Eagles, best name by the way in in Dutch football with regard to a name of a team. Go Ahead Eagles. I can't I can't get over that. <laughs> but but they just beat them. They they scored two goals early and Ajax couldn't come back into that game and that's their only loss since playing Benfica in leg 1. So I think Benfica do have a chance, but they got to punch their ticket early. They got to score that first goal. And I think that can put Ajax under a ton of pressure. Some, well, something else to bear in mind as well is uh, it's supposed to be Anana's sort of return to the starting berth. Because obviously since he declared that he's going to be on the move this summer, uh, he's got, sort of been out of the first team picture. But the veteran goalkeeper, Pasvir, who's been sort of deputizing for him since with Stecklenburg also not only in the geriatric home, but also on the, on the touch lines. <laughs> um, you know, so I think, Onana's return will actually be key, especially if, because I, I believe that Pasvir is like a broken finger or a fractured finger or something like that. He's probably going to keep him out of any potential games in the quarterfinals as well. So this will mean that Onana, despite the fact that he knows that he's moving on, sort of has a chance to, you know, sort of clean up his image a little bit, uh, you know, before before moving on. So I think that's also something interesting, kind of like a subplot to keep an eye on. Yeah, yeah. sure. I love that. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. no, no. You go. You go. I was just going to jump in and add my tips. I think Ajax to win and both teams to score plus 130. Or or if you want to throw Ajax into a parlay to win at home, uh, it's just a really 
safe and somewhat smart bet given well just form and statistics and all that stuff. But I, I'm I'm wary of just that first goal from Benfica and how Ajax punches back. But well, as everybody's Ajax. kind of uh, attributing to, I feel like the home form for Ajax will be a key thing. As uh, Jimmy said, they've won uh, three. Obviously, they're going for four in a row. By the way, at home uh, in the competition for the first time since March 1996, when Louis van Gaal led them to seven consecutive, of course. And obviously, this is a team that scores at least two goals in all of the seven Champions League matches as well, 22 times they've scored. So there's going to be goals in this one. It's a matter of how well they defend that lead. Predictions very quick. James Bench, Ajax, Benfica, what do you have? 2-0 uh, Ajax. All right. Jonathan Johnson? 2-1 Ajax. All right. Jimmy? I'll go big. I'll go 3-2 Ajax. Ooh. That's one over here. <laughs> nice. Uh, I'll go 2-1 as well, but everybody has Ajax going through. All right. Yeah, let's do this before we take the break. Uh, Jonathan Johnson, I just wanted to get some thoughts from you. <laughs> As, uh, you were there at uh, Parc des Princes this weekend, correct? Uh, actually, I wasn't. I was joking when I said that I was skulking around in a, uh, <laughs> you know, okay, cabal, but, but no, you, I did. I did. I did. You were uh, in I Paris, wasn't. and I feel like you can feel the energy around, and you saw exactly what happened against Bordeaux. Neymar being booed, Messi being booed. I feel like Kylian Mbappé and some others were the only ones that escaped it. Ultras. Uh, uh, shouting hijo de p to Neymar, which was really funny because nobody's Spanish in that scenario, but they still did it. Give me your <laughs> thoughts, Jonathan Johnson, just the overall, and how bad is this going to get? I mean, this is something that we've seen before. We've seen the fans take a very hard line with Neymar in the past when he wanted out, wanted to go back to Barcelona. There were, uh, you know, banners in the stadium, uh, you know, sort of calling him out individually, but obviously they weren't calling out the team uh, as a whole. I mean, there's actually been some developments since then that you might or might not have heard about. There's been some tagging of, the tagging of the training ground walls, uh, the offices as well. So, you know, the PSG fans are really upset about this and that, that was to be expected. Uh, you know, Mbappe sort of reserved the only positive uh, reception. Uh, I think partly because the fans recognize that he's literally the only shining light for PSG this season, but also the fact that they're, you know, still sort of hopeful, perhaps naively, that he might still extend his contract uh, and stay on beyond the end of the season. But, you know, I think as well, to an extent, some of what we saw from the fans was... I wouldn't say necessarily fair game, but it's understandable that they'd be frustrated. It's understandable that they're singling out somebody like Neymar, who, who has been a passenger for PSG this past 12 months. I mean, I, I, I'd imagine that everyone could probably count on one hand the amount of impressive performances that he's, uh, he's, he's put in, whether it's for club mm. or country. Uh, I mean, Messi, you know, when you sort of, you, you bring in, uh, you know, a, a player, a legendary figure, uh, you know, of Messi's reputation, uh, you know, similar to, to to Ramos, but on a much lower scale, um, you know, and then you sort of herald it as this, you know, the best transfer window that a club's ever had, uh, you know, and then this happens. You know, I think that the fans are obviously going to be irate about it. And let's not forget, you know, the previous embarrassments as well. So, you know, it didn't completely surprise me. I don't think that the fans will calm down anytime soon, given that Ligue 1 is pretty much wrapped up. There's nothing else left to fight for, not even the Coupe de France. Uh, you know, and I think, you know, they're fed up. It's sort of these different things have been chipping away at them for a while. Uh, and to be honest, the only thing that really, really surprised me about the situation is that it's taken this long for the fans to get this vocal because it's only something that's really started up, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, people were questioning the timing before the first leg of the Real game. 
yeah, of course, you know, we haven't had that many full stadiums over the last couple of years because of COVID, but that ha- wouldn't have stopped the fans sort of from protesting being outside the stadium in and around the offices, that sort of stuff. So, you know, I think I can understand where they're coming from. Uh, I just think that, you know, they co- probably could have protested a few things in a different way, sort of maybe less hardcore uh, a bit earlier on, certainly since, you know, the writing was on the wall for so, so long, uh, you know, what might happen uh, given the way that they've been playing since Pochettino came in. I mean, my heart bleeds for them. I have to say I'm (laughs) devastated. I know all football suffering is relative and that, you know, just because you're not a fan of Bolton or Berry or a team that might be going out of business doesn't mean you can't have hard times. But but truly, it, it must be an agony to uh, be on course to win the French League again, to be to be hosting some of the, the, the biggest and brightest names. And uh, yeah, you lost a football game. I mean, you know? I do want to say one thing, though, about that. I do feel, though, and JJ, correct me if I'm wrong, that there are some PSG fans, loyal fans that have been there from the beginning, whatever, before, you know, Qatar Sports Investment, whatever, that, you know, because I remember you said a few weeks ago, some of these fans want, want their identity back, the club, the club back. You know, I, I didn't hear, you know, much complaining when obviously K, uh, QSI came in, but I do feel there's probably a group of, and I'm not I'm not talking about ultras. I'm talking about uh, there's got to be a group of PSG fans that, to James Benj's point, I, I just want a football team, I don't a, a team that cares. Is, is there a group of that? Because every headline is about the other side. Yeah, I mean, there are fans now who have been fed up of it because I think for a while they tolerated it. Uh, because it was not as exaggerated, but it feels like the last couple of years, there's just been this real push, uh, you know, where it's almost, it's it's been sort of almost exclusively about the business as opposed to the the, the footballing side of things. You know, we, we can rewind to the last time they had like a, a big reset, which was 2019 when Leonardo came back in, sort of took on a few presidential powers. Um, and the start to that was fairly decent, you know, persuading Neymar to stay on, you know, uh, knuckle down, you know, get back to work. Uh, and then it's kind of like pretty much since COVID arrived. I mean, obviously PSG that season got to the Champions League final, but in bizarre circumstances, given it was all played out in Portugal, uh, you know, COVID had interrupted it. Um, but sort of that really stunted the the, the sort of rebirth. Uh, and since then, you know, it's sort of it's been going towards this this commercialization and these fans who have been sort of a little bit frustrated, a little bit ticked off uh, in the past to become more and more angry, more and more vocal, uh, you know, and I, I think as well that there have just been some players who short of downing tools have just, you know, sort of given up the ghost really, Neymar being one of them, which is why I can understand them singling out players like him, players like Leandro Paredes, who just does almost nothing on the pitch for the majority of games that you see him in. Yeah, really quick, I'll just say that fans have expectations. Some of them are unrealistic, but some are realistic and and, and based with some uh, real meat. And, and I and I mean that by there being a plan. The front office of any club can come out and say, hey, this is the plan. We have a five-year plan. This is what we want to do. And if it doesn't get executed, like everybody's been promising, you just want to see some accountability as a fan. Okay, that didn't work. Who's out of here? Whose ass is on, on the line and who's out? And And – there's that. That's that's like a front office thing. Then you have players who are making an exorbitant amount of money, and when they're not doing the little things, just the little things that that fans appreciate, tackling somebody in the corner after they lose the ball, all these little, just like that's in one example. Of, and if that you don't see that, and it doesn't matter for these guys to wear the shirt, 
I can understand why the friends are, uh, the fans are frustrated. They were so close. L- listen, I don't think the fans mind if, if Benzema scores this crazy three goals and, and you're like, well, hat tip to Benzema. But the fact that you gave up the goals that you did and then you quit, you're only down a goal and it just looked like you quit at the end. If you can be a fan of any club and that's just unacceptable and I understand where they're coming from. Well, there you have it. And I'm sure this will not be the end of the PSG conversation as we move on, of course, uh, and we look ahead to not just now, but the summer and Mauricio Pochettino's future, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Wednesday's action in the Champions League, Juventus against Villarreal, Lille against Chelsea. We'll do a Europa League preview as well, some final thoughts and much more. Kigo Lasso Champions League preview. Jonathan Johnson, James Bench, Jimmy Conrad, LME. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to our Champions League preview as we wrap up the round of 16. First of all, uh, I'm sorry to Jonathan Johnson and James Bench. I have to do this, but we want you to compete with us in a bracket challenge game. James Bench, the biggest March Madness fan there is. I know there is. Uh, Everybody will be there. Jimmy will be there. I'll be there. I'm going to put a gun to James Bench's head and make sure that he has uh, at least three brackets. Jonathan Johnson as well. (laughs) Join us. a A gun to my head. No, no, I'm sure you, I, I don't need to do anything like that. I think Benji, I really want to be. But join us at cbsports.com forward slash Golasso Brackets. And the winner gets a $100 gift card to Paramount Plus. We're giving these away like candy, baby. You're able to watch NCAA tournament games on Paramount Plus, tons of soccer from the Champions League to CONCACAF, golf majors in the spring, and much, much more. And we're excited for the debut of Halo, which is streaming March 24th exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com forward slash halo to try it for free but back to the brackets who enters just one pool you can also create a group to compete against friends and fill out your brackets for the chance to win a trip to the 2023 final four march madness is here cbsports.com forward slash golasso brackets uh and by the way if you need help filling out your bracket cbs sports hq has got you covered with non-stop coverage of every game from every region of the NCAA tournament. Leave it to the experts this year. We know you might be rusty after taking a year off, so make sure that you head over to CBS Sports HQ all week long. All right, take a breath. Let's move on. Champions League content. Let's do this. Juventus against Villarreal. Juventus, the only Italian team in the competition. All right, let's move on and talk about Wednesday's action in the Champions League. Juventus against Villarreal. Jimmy Conrad, let's go with you first. Juventus, the only Italian team left in the competition, but can Unai Emery make sure that that doesn't happen anymore? What do you see here as Juve face Villarreal? Yeah, well, let's talk about Villarreal and Unai Emery first. Obviously, they're the reigning Europa League champions. They decided to have some fun in the Champions League knockout rounds. I don't know why they did that because they never do very well. But uh, hit Emery, Emery in knockout rounds in the Europa League, he has won 29 of those knockout round ties in the Europa League. 14 more than any other manager. I got to throw that out there. And lifted the trophy on four occasions. However, in the Champions League, he suffered elimination in all three of his knockout round uh, appearances I was with Valencia against Valencia and PSG twice so or excuse me with Valencia and PSG twice so I don't know what version of, of Villarreal we're going to see but he doesn't have a lot of good track record in this one uh Juan Foyth could be out they're starting right back Kapui could be out Albiol they're, they're long and their captain at center back Gerard Moreno I think is probably their biggest loss I like Juve at home here they're quietly getting back into Serie A contention they're starting to round into form 
When Marata's getting hot, you combine that with Vlahovic, who's always dangerous, scored in the first minute in leg one, then they've got a chance, and they're very, very good at home. They won eight out of their last ten at home, unbeaten in ten overall. My concern with Juve, this is tactically, when they score first, we even see when they play the Spezias of the world in, in, in Serie A, they seem to drop off and just absorb the rest of the game, and they did it in leg one. Danny Pareo made them pay for that, got the 1-1, the equalizer. They can't do that again. they got to stay on the front foot. When Juve's on the front foot with this particular uh, team, they're very fun to watch, but if they sit back and absorb, they're just not that much fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, cu- I'm curious to see how this one uh, plays out because obviously we saw Emery flexing his Europa League muscles last season with Villarreal, getting them their first piece of silverware. And Juve just... I mean, despite the firepower that they now have with Vlaovic, I just can't see them blowing anyone away. Certainly not in Europe. You know, you, you have the odd blowout in, in Serie A, but that's to expect when you look at some of those teams that are in the relegation zone there. Um, so for me, I think that this one really depends whether Emery can get Villarreal to, to last the distance because I'm not sure that they're going to score over the 90 minutes. So going to extra time with a goalless draw wouldn't surprise me that much. But I think that their best opportunity will either come in extra time if, if Juve get tired and leggy uh, or if it goes to, to penalties. For, for me, I'm not sure that I can see Villarreal winning it in the 90 minutes uh, and actually ultimately went with Juve to, to sneak a 1-0 and, and get into the quarterfinals. I suppose the reason you'd hope uh, if you're Villarreal, and it may well kind of all be decided when the team sheets come out, is uh, Leonardo is one of, and probably most likely Bonucci, but is one of Bonucci or Chiellini, both of whom have been battling some injury issues. Are they available? Because because if not, you've got maybe Delict with Danilo next to him or Delict and uh, Rugani. Yeah, Rugani, yeah. It's not really, whether you've got Gerard Moreno or not, that's not really a backline that, that particularly worries me. I think, you know, and it, going back to what Jimmy was saying, it, it was super interesting in that first leg how Vlavic scores off with his first kick of the ball. And you can almost sort of see Allegri grinning on the touchline going, yes, now I get to do 90 minutes of pure Catanaccio. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it doesn't really work if you've got Danilo and, and, and Delict. Whereas, you know, if you said to me, Juventus go and do the exact same thing in Turin, but there's Benucci next to Delict, I go, yeah, I reckon they can uh, they can keep keep a clean sheet for the full ninety from there. So that for me is the the interesting sort of storyline here. Can can Juve put out a fully fit squad? And I think if they can, it it'll be pretty comfortable for them. I've kind of been working off the assumption that that Bonucci will be available. That sounds like the most likely. Um, and yeah, then I think it's Juventus's to win. If not, I think Villarreal have quite a good chance then. Yeah, to your point about, um, you know, Dusan Vlaovic's goal and how a lady had just like this plan to just just sit and just uh, be boring for the rest of the game. We did talk about that in the recap. Sometimes when it comes to Juventus, the timing of when these goals happen determine the rest of the game themselves. So it should be interesting how. But Unai Emery, by the way, I mean, listen, Villarreal have won each of their last two away games in the Champions League. Juventus are now winless in each of the last seven first leg ties in the Champions League. So this second leg is important for them to turn it around. Jimmy, give me your betting tips and then we'll go predictions. Honestly, I'm going to say 1-0 to Juventus. I'm with JJ on this. Him and I are kindred spirits at this particular <laughs> podcast. It's a great place to be. I'm swimming in the warm waters to JJ right now. <laughs> but but I will throw Juventus in a parlay, to be honest. Minus 108 for them to win straight up. And I'll give you my four-team parlay for the Champions League after we're done with Lille Chelsea. Okay, great. James Bench? Yeah, I'm going for Juventus as well, but I think this might be quite a fun game. 2-1 Juventus. 
Yeah, interesting. I'm going with 2-1 Juventus, but that second goal for Juve in extra time. I feel like it's going to go in extra time. What do you have, uh, Jonathan Johnson? You said one nothing to Juve, right? Yeah, and I'm going to stick with that. Although, like I said, it wouldn't surprise me if it went to extra time and then Juve got the goal uh, beyond the 180 regulatory minutes. All right. Well, that's it. Well, Jimmy, okay, let's do this. Uh, give us your parlay, and then I would love to hear the other two boys what they think as well. All right, Jimmy, what's your parlay? Okay, my parlay, we're, we're, we're okay. I'm, now I'm really on the spot. I was waiting to hear you guys' thoughts on Leo. All Chelsea, right, well, let's but... do that. No, 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 it's, no fine. Worry. it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Okay, I'm going <laughs> to go <laughs> Man United, Atletico Madrid draw. This is after okay. 90 minutes, right? Okay, so okay. that's a draw plus 220. I got Ajax beating Benfica at home, minus 255. I got Juve winning, minus 108, but you can put it in the parlay. And then I, I, I'm on the fence with this Chelsea team. I think they're going to do it. Thomas Tuchel's special is always a Chelsea win and under two and a half goals. That's plus 310. But minus 112 for them to win straight up. I just, they don't need the win. And that's my issue with Chelsea right now. They just need a draw to go through. They won 2-0 in the first leg. And, and Lille going to have a little bit more urgency. So I, I'll say Chelsea win out of respect for the defending Champions League champions. Uh, and if I hit all of those, so the draw and, and Chelsea win and the other Ajax and Juve win, plus 1,500. Interesting. And thank you for that, Jimmy Conrad. I totally forgot. I'm sorry, Leo Chelsea fans. We have to wrap it up with Leo against Chelsea. Benj, I want to go with you first because Thomas Tuchel um, has been fantastic throughout this whole yes. situation. It's got to be said. I mean, you know, uh, all, all the way from the very beginning, even before the official news came out to yesterday or this morning. So what can you tell me about what he said leading up to this game? Yeah, this is fantastic. Um, in his pre-match, his post-match press conference yesterday at Newcastle, where you know, he was genuinely like kind of spot on the money about everything he he spoke about, and as you say, LME in, in really tough um, circumstances, he has done his best to to kind of lead and to to be the right person and to emphasise that. Look, you know. All I can do is get on with what I can do. Um, but actually, you know, reminding Chelsea fans, don't chant, chant Roman Abramovich's name during, uh, you know, tributes to Ukraine. Don't be stupid. And it's had it's had an effect. You could tell that yesterday. Anyway, you know, he won't need to do this, but he did say, you know, if we, we can go by plane to Lille and come back by plane. If not, we'll go by train. If not, we'll go by bus. If not, I'll drive a seven-seater. Honestly, I'll do it. No problems that. at all. You know, he was saying, look, 20, 30 years ago, if you'd said to young Thomas Tuchel, you can come and be at the bench on the bench for a Champions League game, he'd have got in a car. He'd have driven anywhere in Europe. Right. Yeah. It's not that far to Lille anyway. I mean, what I would say to Thomas is, um, I mean, there is this thing called the English Channel. So then you're going to have to pay for the ferry. <laughs> Chelsea have got $26,300 on current exchange rates to spend on getting their team to, to games like that ferry's going to really that's going to really cost you dearly Thomas in uh, in future games but yeah the travel and if they want put... snacks because the snack bar isn't cheap as well I remember Wait, those players who, who sits shotgun if Thomas Tuchel's driving I want to know which <laughs> which player we think would actually have the courage to sit next to Tuchel up top Timo, Timo Werner's going in the boot <laughs> I think <laughs> <laughs> that, just not even you know he's easy to hitchhike but um oh. Yeah, I mean, we should say like it's um, it, they had booked their travel for Lille before the 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 sanctions were applied, so they will be fine getting there. They will fly in and out. I mean, in a way, you kind of think, wouldn't this be great if 
like kind of one of the Chelsea can sort of say from this, well, actually, no, maybe we don't need to take a private jet to every football match. We, you know, maybe we don't need a private jet to play Norwich away, yeah, which right. is like a 14 minute flight. Um, yeah. But, but yes, uh, I, you know, in terms of on the pitch, Chelsea are going to be absolutely fine. They actually still look quite good. Even, you know, they're missing Reese James. That's a big blow. Yeah. But without that, you know, Havertz, phenomenal at the moment and he really brings the best out of Mount and he brings the best out of Pulisic I've written a lot about that you can read it on cbssports.com I love it Jonathan Johnson give me your counter on Lille do you see the same result here I don't necessarily see the same result uh, sort of score wise I, I think that Lille will put up more resistance ultimately I see Chelsea winning and going through uh, I think I called a 2-1 in my prediction uh, you know, I just think that the loss, even if they raise their level a bit, it's still just not going to be enough. I mean, they're getting themselves back into contention for potential European qualification in Ligue 1, uh, you know, which is good to see because I think really it's the minimum you can expect from the defending French champions. But, you know, I think for them it was already an achievement to get out of the group stage, to get to, uh, you know, the, the round of 16. Uh, and I don't really see them going any further than that. I mean, if, if Chelsea really did look vulnerable, uh, you know, as, as James was saying, they don't really look too affected on the pitch at the moment, certainly not in terms of their form, then, you know, perhaps I might fancy Lille to, to pull something off. But I think even a draw at home to Chelsea and avoiding defeat will be considered sort of a positive way for Lille to bow out. I just think for them, it's going to be about keeping it respectable. Uh, and I think, you know, maybe, maybe taking the lead, but then Chelsea coming back and winning the game, uh, you know, is you know, maybe along the lines of the best that they can hope for, because given that they've kept themselves in contention in Ligue 1, I think that's going to be their focus between now and the end of the season to get ourselves back in Europe, uh, whether it's the Europa League or better, um, because, you know, for them, if they were to drop out of it completely, which is a possibility if they somehow fluked their way into the quarterfinals and continue to be distracted, uh, you know, I think that that would really sort of do them a bit of harm in terms of securing European football for next season. I'll also add that with regard to Lille, they've only lost twice at home all season. I don't think this is going to be an easy game for Chelsea uh, by any stretch of the imagination. However, being American, I got to talk about some Americans. Uh, Timo Weah might be hopefully getting some minutes. I don't know if he's going to be slated to start in this one, but coming off the bench, it looks like it might be Renato Sanchez, Ben Arfa, and Jonathan Bamba. No, no, no. Uh, Sanchez picked up an injury, so I actually think he might be out. Yes. Which also works against Lille. Yes. So Timo Weah comes in, hopefully. We got Jonathan David, a Canadian up top, obviously, uh, scoring a bunch of goals for both club and countries in fine form. We'll see how long he's at Lille. I don't know if he'll be there after the summer. JJ can probably talk about he that. And then you got Christian Pulisic, who, who, as Bench says, has looked very, very good. Uh, scored in leg one of this affair when N'Golo Conte had that nice turn and run through and, and laid it off to Pulisic, who took that goal very, very well, which could really prove to have been the deciding goal. It really kind of took the belief out of Lille. Like, all right, maybe... If it was 1-0 after leg one, Lille may be thinking, all right, we can maybe do this. But 2-0, I think actually stretched it out a little bit, making it a little bit harder because it's hard to score two goals against this Chelsea team. I do want to say tactically, back four, they played this past weekend, Chelsea, against Newcastle. And I think we're going to see it again. Maybe Christensen, Silva, Rudiger, Alonso. You know, it, it that's what's being slated where I'm seeing it. So it's interesting, the back four. I don't think it's being talked a lot about because there's obviously bigger things going on with Chelsea, but uh, that's been an interesting tactical shift from a formation perspective from Thomas Tuchel. So this should be a good game. I'm going with Chelsea to win it under two and a half goals plus 310. That's hit, I think, nine out of 11 times or something that Thomas Tuchel has been in the Champions League uh, for Chelsea. So 
not surprised if it if it hits again. So I'm just going to lean into that and just uh, see how it goes. Well, everybody here, I think, has a Chelsea victory. It just depends when it happens, of course. And by the way, this is a double cup week for Chelsea because they'll have the FA Cup as well on the weekend against Middlesbrough. So we'll see what happens there. All right. So um, let's uh, let's do something fun here before we go to Europa League. Out of uh, I'm going to ask everybody, you know, uh, who who goes through the four teams that go through that will meet Man City, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, and of course Liverpool into the quarterfinals. Uh, you don't need to give me an explanation; just give me the teams, <laughs> and we'll see where we all go. So, James Bench, first of all, let's see here: uh, Manchester United, Atleti. You have Man United, Ajax, Benfica. You have Ajax, uh, Juventus, Villarreal, Juventus, Lille, Chelsea, Chelsea. All right, Jimmy, give me your four. What do you have? Man United, yeah, I'm, I'm Atleti. Just, no, I'm, I'm uh, Atletico. I'll just yeah. go I'll jump into it. Atleti, Ajax, Juve, Chelsea. All right, Jonathan Johnson. I mean, I think we're uh, we're, we're all pretty much in agreement. We're all the same. Uh, I've got I've got I've got Ajax, Atleti, Juve, Chelsea. All right, I'm exactly the same. Aside from I, I have hope for you, Manchester United. Uh, am I a fool? Yes, I am. But we'll see what happens. All right, let's move on. Europa League. Uh, oh, and by the way, before we go into Europa League, on Fridays, the Champions League quarterfinal draw, we are doing a live show for that. A live show, baby, where we're going to be obviously, you know, going through it all when the balls come out, when somebody makes a mistake. Uh, I don't know if Arshavin is going to be invited again. We'll see. But the quarterfinals will be said. We'll do a live show. We'll do that'll also be have a, a, a review of what happened as well. And you can watch that on YouTube, of course, and listen to it later on. So stay tuned for that. Let's talk Europa League, everybody, very quickly here. Um, West Ham losing, uh, trailing one, nothing to Sevilla. Very good game, uh, Galatasaray nil-nil holding Barcelona. Now they host Barca. Leverkusen, Atalanta. That's Atalanta with a 3-2 lead. And Frankfurt leading 2-1 against Betis. Jonathan Johnson, let's go with you first. Any takeaways from that? Uh, West Ham, Sevilla, Barcelona, Galatasaray, Leverkusen, Atalanta, Frankfurt, Betis. What do you have? Uh, Aside from my disappointment that... uh... West Ham weren't too leggy when they came up against Villa over the weekend. I know. I know. We'll talk <laughs> it was, about uh, that. Yeah. No, I mean, there's there's been some really interesting results thrown up by the by the first leg of games. I didn't expect Monaco to be uh, outdone the way that they were by Braga. Uh, I was surprised that Lyon managed to, to see off Porto, especially when you look at the absolute thumping that they took over the weekend at home to Rennes as well. So I know that's very French-centric of me, but would you expect anything else? Nope. Uh, <laughs> you know, Galatasaray-Barcelona, that's... That's going to be a really, really challenging uh, second leg for for Barca, considering they're going away uh, and you know wasn't really the most convincing of performances uh, in the home leg, uh, you know, and that Bayer Leverkusen Atalanta game already three two on aggregate, uh, you know, just again there seems to be some really, really tasty matches, and I know that James Benj is our resident uh, Han Cook uh, expert uh, <laughs> and uh, won't be surprised by any of the, the entertainment that we've seen in these games so far. I think what I love about the Europa League after the first leg is the fact that most of the ties still have everything to play for. Rangers up over Red Star Belgrade 3-0, but if Red Star scores first, all of a sudden it gets a little dicey there because they're a tough place to play to go to Belgrade and get a result. Uh, Bayer Leverkusen without Florian Verts came out that he's out with an ACL injury, so that obviously impacts them a little bit. Barcelona Galatasaray is probably the one I'm looking at the most because they were fantastic this past weekend. Barcelona 4-0 over Osasuna for Torres. You guys probably already talked about it in the recap. 
what I'll add is that El Clasico is happening the weekend. So they have to focus. They have to travel to Istanbul to try to go get a result. And I think they will. But now they have to go try to catch Madrid on the weekend in Madrid. And I think that's a pretty big week before the international break hits. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think atmosphere is going to be a, a huge part of these uh, these second legs. I mean, I was talking to Patrick Van Arnholt. That, that's up on the, the website and you'll be able to see more in the, the pregame show on Thursday night. And, you know, this is a guy that played at Crystal Palace, which for those of you that haven't been that don't know, that's one of the best atmospheres in the Premier League. And he sort of says to me, look, compared to what Galatasaray is like for a big game, this is nothing. And, and we know that sometimes, you know, Galatasaray is an intimidating place to play for anyone. He would include himself if he's not playing well. Um, so that's going to be tough for Barcelona. And as Jimmy said, if they are at all inclined to to take their foot off their gas, they, they will be punished. I mean, I think actually similarly, and this is not a ground which is famous for its atmosphere, West Ham are going to really put on a show against Sevilla. It has been, re- it, you know, they say it, it's a good night ground for whatever reason. I think partly it's just because West Ham fans can, can get on the beers nice and early in East London <laughs> and things like that. Um, they, I thought they were very good for the most part against Sevilla. That game could have gone. They were. They they only lost due to a, a good, smart free kick uh, from yeah. from Sevilla, and they had their chances. And I think the atmosphere is a massive thing, James. Mentioned in these games, obviously to your point, uh, you know, uh, some more than others, including Galatasaray. But uh, the other point, which is the most prominent one, is the margins, like Jimmy said, are so thin. Uh, so it's going to be intriguing. Just very quick predictions on the Barcelona thing uh, the, you know the, the biggest talking points I'll just ask you who you think is going to win out of that Jimmy what, what do you make of that do you think uh, because a classical to your point I mean and finally it's a classical that we're waiting for now because you know both yeah. teams are doing well respectively how do you see that game against Galatasaray uh, Barcelona's just been scoring so many goals and creating a lot of chances I'll just say very quickly that if they hadn't scored against Napoli scoring four goals in Naples against the best defensive team in Serie A I think they can handle Galatasaray away from home despite the atmosphere. So I, I like Barcelona to put up a thumping, to be honest. I think they're just in good form right now. Bench, uh, quickly on Barca and your West Ham prediction as well. Yeah, I think Barca will get the job done, although it won't be easy. West Ham is going to be tight. I think Sevilla will just about get the just about get through. But um, maybe we're talking after extra time, like a 2-2, something like that. Jonathan Johnson, I even talked about uh, your uh, Real Betis as well, who are, uh, you know, uh, trailing 2-1. How do you see in that one and Barcelona, West Ham? Give me any predictions that you feel are hot takes or Jonathan Johnson takes. Uh, take whatever you will. <laughs> well, I mean, the the, the, the Betis fan in me, uh, you know, I'll have them overcoming the, the, the deficit. I don't know. I'll go for a, I'll go for a 2-0 win, although I'm not really convincing myself about that clean sheet for this moment <laughs> in time uh, for, for Sevilla West Ham uh, I, I think West Ham will fall just short uh, unfortunately perhaps a 1-1 draw uh, on the night Barca I, I think if they're going to win that uh, they're going to either have to go to extra time or just scrape it 1-0 so it could be either or 1-0 after 90 minutes 1-0 after extra time but I can't I can't see them you know having the same sort of performance that they had away at Napoli, uh, you know, given the reasons that we've already discussed. Yeah. And by the way, Atalanta only trailing by a goal, even though it's, uh, I'm sorry, they're leading by a goal. Uh, another visiting Leverkusen. So we'll see with that one. Serie A, you can watch on Paramount Plus, Europa League as well, CBS Sports HQ coverage as well, as well as Champions League. And that was your Europa League uh, conversation. Let's do some final thoughts here. By the way, as I mentioned uh 
Uh, we got plenty of content this week, Tuesday's live recap. Uh, and there you can have a chance of winning a $100 gift card for Paramount+. Plus. Uh, we've got Champions League, Europa League, Serie A, CONCACAF, World Cup qualifiers as well. So much more on Paramount+, Plus, including all new shows as Halo, as I mentioned, ParamountPlus.com forward slash Halo. All right, final thoughts as we say goodbye. This was a packed episode. I did a lot of reads. I apologize, but that's how I get my bonus. Jimmy Conrad, give me your final thoughts. I just want to see if CR7 can step up once again, not only for his form in the league, which he just proved against Tottenham. Can he do it in the Champions League against Atletico Madrid, which he's shown to have a good track record against in the past? Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, I think uh, final thoughts. Uh, I mentioned earlier the the interview with Brian Brobby. Go and check that out on the on the website. Love uh, it. Very very interesting to be chatting to him about sort of his move away from Ajax to Leipzig uh, and then returning to Ajax uh, so soon afterwards. Uh, chatted a bit about Jesse Marsh as well. Tyler Adams had a lot of good things to say. So so definitely go and check that out. And just looking forward to picking through the bones with you guys later on this week <laughs> after these great games. <laughs> Well, well, look, I wouldn't be much of a corporate shill if I suggested to you you did anything other than watch the Champions League and the Europa League. But just on your DVR, just, you know, or one to, to keep, a, you know, mute it all out and then catch it up afterwards. There are three big Premier League games in midweek. We've got Brighton against Tottenham and Arsenal against Liverpool. Could be yeah, big huge. games in deciding who finishes fourth on, on Wednesday. And then uh, Thursday, Everton, who I think now we're going to go down uh, at home to Newcastle. So, what I'm saying is Paramount Plus zone in, mute all those Premier League football clubs. Then once those games are done, fire it up. Enjoy yourself some Premier League straight up. I love it. Some great tips from everybody involved uh, over here. And uh, that's James Bench. Make sure to follow his content on CBS Sports. Jonathan uh, Johnson, John underscore Le Gossip. Jimmy Conrad, of course. And we got some USMNT hour as well to catch up and plenty, plenty more. Thank you so much, boys. Jimmy Conrad, thank you, buddy. Thank you. Thank you, James Bench. Peace out. Jonathan Johnson, merci beaucoup. Pleasure as always. Cheers, guys. Thank you, everybody. Make sure to follow us on youtube.com forward slash Kegolasso. Subscribe and spread the word. Twitter, Kegolasso pod. And anywhere else you listen to your pods, we'll be back with much more from Kegolasso. Have a great, great beginning to your week. Till then. <laughs>